This is NBA Sound System Live, featured on NBA.com sites around the world and archived on the NBA Sound System podcast feed, where you get your podcasts by searching NBA Sound System. Thank you for joining us. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, each with the handle at NBA Sound System, or visit us at NBASoundSystem.com for more. Now, NBA Sound System Live. It is indeed NBA Sound System, L-I-V-E Live. It is noon Eastern time, 9 a.m. Pacific. Good morning to those on the West Coast. Carlin Gay alongside Scott Rafferty. Uh, Scott, how are you feeling today? Colin, I don't even know who to say I'm better than today. Um, I feel like, you know, preseason just started. I feel like every all 30 teams in the league are optimistic, feeling great about the season. Everyone thinks they're going to win the championship. So I guess I'll just keep it simple and say I'm doing well. How are you doing? I can't complain. We are uh, in October. It feels like uh, the year is ending very quickly. Um, Halloween is coming up. I know you are. Uh, are, are you a big Halloween fan, or are getting? Am, am I getting my uh, no, no, you're mixed up. No, you're right there. You're right. Yeah, you're a big Halloween guy. Um, I, I, I do enjoy dressing up every now and then, um, and I also enjoy the treats. So, uh, but, but more importantly, uh, this is my favorite time of the year, being a Canadian, because I get to enjoy Thanksgiving twice in two months. I get to enjoy it on the Canadian side, celebrating, which is coming up this weekend for those who don't know. And then, of course, American Thanksgiving later on in November. So that's uh, that's always a plus for me. I, I get to add some, uh, pack on some winter weight, as they say. <laughs> get ready for Christmas. Um, yeah. yeah, that's not too bad. Two Thanksgivings is pretty nice to celebrate. You, you got lucky there. I, I'm very, I have a lot to be thankful for, so I, I think I yeah. maybe need it. Uh, the WNBA playoffs is in full swing. We'll talk about that. We'll also touch on DeAndre Ayton and his situation. Uh, that news just broke before we came on air here. Uh, Pau Gasol retired. we got to start with that. Pau Gasol starting off the top. Uh, shout out to him on a great career. Uh, 19 years uh, pro basketball. He just recently played in the ACB. Um, for Barcelona, he had 19 NBA seasons, um, but he also just recently played for in the ACB for Barcelona. Um, didn't end with the championship that they would have wanted, but he does he does have two NBA championships to his name. Uh, had a, an incredible career playing for Spain, uh, a lot of success there. What, what's your if I, I said what's your favorite or what's the first thing that comes to your mind when you hear the name Pal Gasol? For me, it's probably I, I don't want to get my uh, final series mixed up here. I think it was that 2020. 2010 finals against the Boston Celtics that went seven games that really comes to mind for me because that series I mean Kobe won finals MVP um, but I think it was pretty close to Pau Gasol like he could have won that award I don't think many people would have been very mad because he he was definitely in consideration that game seven alone it was a low scoring affair if I remember um, a pretty grinded out game offensively and he had 19 points 18 rebounds, um, nine offensive rebounds. I remember him just getting a ton of ton of offensive rebounds down the stretch of that game, and also four assists. And that that was just you know Gasol showing up at a super important moment, um, and kind of all the best parts of his game. A guy who could shoot from mid range, a, a, a gifted scorer with his back to the basket, had great footwork. Um, doesn't get mentioned as you know maybe one of the best passing bigs of all time a conversation we've had a lot because of the emergence of Nicole Jokic over the last few seasons but an incredible passer even in that game six of that series against the Celtics he had nine assists which was a hell of a lot for a player kind of his size at his position back then so um, an incredibly gifted player had a fantastic NBA career six-time all-star four-time all-NBA two-time champion Um, I I think it's safe to say we will see him inducted into the Hall of Fame someday soon. 
No question about it. He, he was he was one of those guys when he was in Memphis that he was like on on because he played in Memphis. He wasn't on the national scale or wasn't in the national spotlight a ton, but he was one of those guys that was really good for a long time. And then when he finally made it uh, to L.A. and started playing in the finals, that's when really people started giving him the respect that he deserved. And uh, you're right. He could have won finals MVP that year. It obviously went to Kobe Bryant. Um, and in that game, he was terrific. That game seven you're talking about was terrific. No one was making any shots in that game. It was a, it was a slugfest, uh, and the Lakers were able to claim back-to-back championships after going to the finals for three straight years. Uh, they had their heart broken in 08. Everyone always – well, the Celtics fans and the Celtics will remind you that they won the championship in 08, uh, and the Lakers were the victims there. But they were able to avenge that 08 loss in that 2010 finals. You're right about that, and Pal Gasol was terrific there. So shout-out to Pal Gasol and a, a terrific career, uh, not just in the NBA, but also playing overseas for Spain, some, some medals there, glory there, and then uh, completing the year – Last year, he, had, he he still showed a little some signs that he could play a little bit, but it seems as though maybe uh, the NBA schedule is a lot more rigorous than uh, than that of well, actually it's debatable, but yeah, it, it is tougher to play three mm-hmm. three times in a week rather than maybe just twice um, on on the other side of the pond. So, uh, great man, great career, and as you said, um, you know he, he will likely end up uh, in the Naismith Hall of Fame when it's all said and done. Um, so Pal Gasol ends his career, and now we start uh, talking about the 2021-2022 NBA season. And around this time, we usually see the GMs get together and, and they get polled and uh, come up with some results. And that leads us to the NBA.com GM survey. John Schumann always does a good job of putting that together um, for NBA.com. And uh, now we have an opportunity to break that down, Scott. So we'll do that through uh, pretty much the majority of this show. A lot of a lot of surprises or or not surprises when you when you kind of opened this up and went through it. it, it did, did you feel like this was kind of just chalks? You agree with a lot of the things that they uh, they decided on here? Yeah, I, I can't say going through it that there were too many things that jumped out to me. I will say one, one of the, the funny things that I thought, and we've seen this in the past with LeBron, is obviously Luca is all over this in a number of different categories. But it's also hilarious to me to see him like he, he got the third most votes for who is the best point guard in the NBA. But he also got the third most votes for who is the best shooting guard. And he also received votes for who is the best small forward. Um, you know, a guy who can just play a bunch of different positions. It doesn't feel like anyone really knows where to put him. Um, that I always get a kick out of seeing what kind of players are going to fit into that box. But, um, you know, we're doing our own predictions right now on NBA.com for like who we think is going to be MVP this season, who we think is going to be sixth man of the year. And it's it's really difficult every single year because, you know, there's, there's a variety of things you have to take in, into consideration. So I, I thought it was interesting to see Jaron Jackson Jr. being the player most likely to have a breakout season. You know, he's a guy who we've obviously seen his potential. A, a, a big guy who can stretch the floor out to the three-point line, um, can protect the rim at a high rate. But he's dealt with injuries in his career and hasn't really... Um, evolved into the player that we think he could be. So it seems like a lot of people think that this is going to be the year for him. Um, I, I mean, I, I got a question for you, Colin. So we we did MVP predictions, as I alluded sure. to. Sure. I put a lot of thought into it. Um, I went with Giannis. I think it's a pretty safe bet. He's a guy who's always been healthy. We know he's going to put up big numbers. We know the Bucks are going to be good. In this survey, Kevin Durant finished at number one. And, right. you know, I, I understand the thinking behind it. He's arguably the best player in the league today. You saw what he did last season in that series. We know the Nets are going to win a ton of games. They're the favorite to win the title. But I do think it's interesting that he won by such a large margin. And he also got several votes from our staff. 
because, you know, he is going to be sharing the court with James Harden and Kyrie Irving. And he's also dealt with injuries himself. Like, even last year, I, I don't have it pulled up right here, but didn't he play, like, 30 games, um, essentially? And so he, still, I, he still was in the conversation for MVP, by the way. And, I mean, it's it's he was also in consideration for, like, All-NBA, which is hilarious because... You know, he only played 35 games. So the fact that he was even considered for that, um, despite playing less than half of the season, just speaks to how incredible he is. But in general, I just kind of feel like he feels like generally the safe bet for MVP. And I I don't know if I quite feel that way. And that is not an indictment on him. Obviously, he's again, he's arguably the best player in the league. Um, But I I do think it's it's interesting to kind of see how the MVP predictions are, are shaping up going into the season for me personally. Yeah, as you said, Kevin Durant with uh, 37% of the vote. He is the runaway winner. Um, Luka Doncic finished second. I think he's the odds-on favorite if you're betting uh, to, to win the MVP in 2021-2022. I believe he was the odds-on favorite last year. It didn't quite right. work out for him. Uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo with 13%. That is your pick to win it. And I don't think it's a bad pick. You know, the, the Milwaukee Bucks are going to be coming into the season relatively healthy. They're going to win a lot of games just by based on the fact that the way that they play. Uh, and, and, and we know that Giannis is going to put up MVP-type numbers, so the numbers are going to be there. It's just a matter of when it comes down to it for Giannis specifically, it's going to be are the Bucks, you know, one of the first or second seeds in the in the East, and then is Giannis playing, you know, at least seventy games right in the NBA uh, in in an eighty two game season? So it is a good pick. Uh, Joel Embiid finished fourth, and then uh, tied with James Harden at seven percent. So that's the one to me that sticks out and kind of eliminates Kevin Durant. Is that I think a lot of people that would vote on this award will eliminate him based on the fact that you know James Harden is on the team, and if you have two guys in the top five for potentially winning the MVP, it normally means that none of them are going to win the MVP. Um, my pick finished six with 3% of the vote, and that's Stephen Curry. Uh, and he was kind of a victim of this when Kevin Durant was on his team. Both of them were, I should say. Um, they had MVP numbers. They, they obviously had you know the, the record. Everything was there. But they kind of get canceled out of this conversation because you look over your shoulder and you see Kevin Durant's there. And, and if you're Kevin Durant, you look over your shoulder, you see Steph Curry's there. And you know the voters say, well, there's two MVPs there, so we can't pick one. Um, mm-hmm. But I do believe that Steph Curry has a great chance. Last year was in the conversation. The record just wasn't there enough for the Golden State Warriors to get over the hump. I think that they're going to be a lot better in terms of record-wise this season. Uh, they should be, uh, you know, around that fourth or fifth range. And if they are there, then he'll probably get a lot of the Nikola Jokic love, where you know everyone's kind of pointing the finger to saying he's the glue that's keeping this together, especially with the injuries around them, um, with Clay Thompson potentially not coming back till maybe the new year. That is going to mean a lot. So how the Warriors start is going to be important for Steph Curry. And if he gets off to the hot start that he finished the season with last year, I think he's going to be in the conversation all season long. So um, disagree with the GMs here, Scott. Um, you know, Kevin Durant, great player. But I do think even if he has a great season, people will kind of say, huh, well, you have James Harden. And then we didn't even mention Kyrie Irving. Uh, you know, if, if right. Kyrie Irving's situation gets sorted out and he's able to play for the Nets. I, I just feel like you know voters are going to kind of say, huh? Well, you, you got two great players on your team. Let's look at someone else and give it to someone else. I do. I do want to talk about Jokic here real quick because it's me, and I feel like I have to talk about him every single podcast. Sure. It, it does. Like, I mean, I'm surprised his names. He didn't even have like received votes under no, this. Um, and you know. Maybe we're sleeping a little bit. On, like we forget how ridiculous he was last season. He averaged twenty six points, eleven rebounds, eight assists, um, basically shooting fifty forty ninety, just under those percentages. 
you know, we saw what he did at the start of the season. He was carrying Denver through that rough patch. Then they started to find their groove, shaping up to potentially look like the team to beat out West. And then obviously Jamal Murray went down with that injury. And Jokic kept that team going along. And they finished among the top among the top teams in the Western Conference. And I think, you know, I, I'm just I'm just surprised it doesn't seem like he's getting more love. Because with Murray out, he's probably just going to still continue to put up absurd numbers. Um, this team is still a very good regular season team, even without Jamal Murray. Um, this team absolutely needs Jamal Murray to be a title contender. He is that guy who can, you know, create his own shot consistently in the half court. Um, we've seen what he's, he's done in the postseason before. But it's easy to imagine, you know, like Monte Morris starting at point guard, him having a good season. Michael Porter Jr. maybe taking a little leap. Another full season, like a full season with Aaron Gordon next to Nikola Jokic. So if he can kind of continue to just build on what he did last season and this team continues to hum along, um, I, I don't think it's, you know, out of the realm of possibility that they're a top four seed in the West again. Um, maybe they're looking like a title contender if Jamal Murray comes back with 20 or so games left. Um, but it, it does feel like Jamal, uh, sorry, Nikola Jokic is, is getting a little bit, a little disrespected going into the season in terms of MVP love. Yeah, he is getting overlooked. Uh, I don't, as you said, it doesn't even look like he got any votes uh, going into this season. Last year, just for context, Giannis Antetokounmpo was the leader with 32% of the vote people thought he was going to three beat i think last year we both said on this show that we didn't think he had a shot at it because people would kind of mm. hold the playoff failures against him whether you believe it or not um, but i do think that that played into the fact that he wasn't uh even really in the conversation for winning the award even though he had great numbers uh the bucks had a great season they finished you know this i think it was a second seed uh if not no third seed in the uh in the conference i mean it, what more could he have done really um had the great yeah. season but um, at the end of the day he was able to hoist the championship and he won the finals mvp so i think that mvp trophy is a little bit more important to him at this time uh, we'll move to the next question if you were starting a franchise today and could sign any player in the nba who would it be this is always an interesting one because it, it always kind of gives you a glimpse into how gms think about uh, a player that can carry them for the next 10 years um, in the NBA and Luka Doncic is the guy 43% at just 22 years of age Luka has uh, become one of the 10 best players in the NBA and uh, even though he hasn't done much winning in the postseason I think GMs and maybe fans alike believe that he will one day win a championship he's just that good that type of player and the other thing is it is that he's so unselfish or can be unselfish that it, it might be easy to build around him um the honest Kumpo finished second with 40 percent of the vote and there's a bunch of others that receive votes um if you were to have a vote in this survey is is luca your guy <laughs> it's uh hey colin can, can i sit on the fence here you know what i like to do um <laughs> Look, I, I think age plays um, a big part in this as well because Luca is 22 years old and it's not like Giannis is old, but he's 26, turning 27 soon. Um, so, you know, you get that extra five years with Luca. Like you said, hasn't won in the playoffs yet, but it feels like every time he steps on the court for a playoff game, he breaks a record. Um, like he, he's just that good. And he's going to, I mean, he's going to dominate the league for the next 10 to 15 years, um, it feels like. So I, I totally get why Luca is the answer here. Yeah, Giannis was very close. I think, you know, it's, I, it is also funny because I feel like we do kind of talk about Luca heading towards like goat status. Um, 
he's like that's the direction he's trending mm-hmm. it's also you almost have to like pinch yourself though with Giannis. like you look at his resume already at the age of soon to be 27 you know five-time all-star five-time all-nba a two-time mvp one-time champion finals mvp he's what one of only three players in nba history to win mvp and defensive player of the year in the same season um in this survey unless i'm remembering it wrong because i can't find it right now was voted the best defender in the league and i think after seeing what he did um, obviously, he won Defense Player of the Year two years ago, but seeing what he did in that final series last year, it's hard to argue against that. So, uh, again, I, I totally get the Luca pick. Um, this was very close, but it, it is it's it's just wild how much Giannis has already accomplished at the age that he is. Um, and also, I feel like it's fit, set, fit, uh, you know safe to say that like he still has a lot of room for improvement. Like even in the playoffs last year, it felt like he improved every single series to the point where he was just absolutely unstoppable um, from game two onwards against the Suns. And hopefully he can kind of continue to add to his game. Some of that stuff carries into the season because if it it does, that's why I'm also, um, I I think he's a pretty safe pick for MVP as well for me. Yeah, I I would take Giannis in this situation. I voted for him on rmba.com. Best players, top 30 players in the NBA. I voted him the best player in the league. I think that he deserves it. I think that he's there now. I think that he's he's broken through and, and, and arrived. And that normally happens when you when you win a championship. There's no doubt about it. And as you said, there's still room for him to grow. So if we, if I'm starting a franchise today, I'm, I'm looking at uh, a guy that's going to be able to give me some years uh, and and also be able to build around and. Um, you know he's going to add pieces to his game, and there's no disrespect to Luka Doncic. I think he's a terrific player. He's going to be uh, most likely a Hall of Famer one day. But I've seen it with Giannis, and there's evidence there of him being able to carry a team to the top. Luka hasn't won a, a playoff series yet. We're still waiting for that to happen. He could break all the records that he wants and put fear into the opposing teams in a seven-game series. But until he cracks that code of winning a series, then I I, I, I just have to wait and see um so Giannis is the guy there for me um other players that receive votes ad kevin durant uh lebron james which is weird because uh who knows when lebron james, maybe he's tom brady maybe he plays until he's mid 40s who knows what lebron james Jokic getting some respect there didn't get the mvp love but he got he got the love here in this uh question and zion williamson i think zion maybe might be flying a little bit under the radar this season and i and this is coming from a zion skeptic uh but i, I do think that uh you know, he if he's healthy, that's the that's the biggest thing. If he's well, healthy, thing, right? Um, I think people will start to uh, continue to hype him as they were in his rookie season because he had a great year last year, but it almost felt like no one really you know paid too much attention to it. Maybe we had a lot going on, and uh, that just there just wasn't a lot of ink spilt on what Zion did in just his second year. He hasn't even played has he played eighty two games yet in his, in his career. I think he's only at like eighty five or something like that, um, which is insane to think about. And he was one of the 85. most dominant players. Yeah, 85. He was one of the most dominant players in the NBA last season, uh, putting up great numbers. And he, he's almost like he's almost like uh, he hasn't even like scratched the surface of how good he can be. Like I don't think when he got drafted, people realized that he could run pick and roll as a ball handler. So um, you know, maybe in two years he'll be the one that uh, ends up number one on uh, on this list let's move to uh which player forces opposing coaches to make the most adjustments this one is an interesting one because you could either play it two ways you could either do uh, a regular season version of a player or a playoff version of a player and i think that's different i don't think that you're there, there's some players that if you were just just focus on the regular season um, and you only see them from one game that you could have on this list. But if you were able to see them in the playoffs, you might be able to shut them down a little bit. Um, so 
Steph Curry runs away with it at 27%. Uh, Kevin Durant with 20 and then LeBron James, 17% finishing third. Do you have any beef with that top three? Is there a name on the list that you don't see that you probably would like to add? I don't have beef with that because Steph is just exhausting. Like like watching Steph play basketball is tiring. So I can only imagine what playing against him is like. You know, he, he gets out in transition, pushes the ball at every opportunity he gets. Um, pick and rolls, he want, runs them far out. He can pull up from absolutely anywhere, which just absolutely obliterates your defense and your help defense. Um, and he also can just basically turn into a shooting guard whenever he wants. And he's probably the best player. Him and Clay Thompson are probably the best players in the league at moving off ball knowing how to run off of screens, how to run their defender into screens, how to get open. He needs a slither of space. So I just feel like he's someone that you need to pay attention um, at all times. And obviously Kevin Durant and LeBron James, you have to do that uh, as well. And same with James Harden. But I, I put it, I, I, this is going to come across wrong, I feel like. There's just a, a, like a sense of inevitability with Durant and LeBron. Like you can't do anything to stop LeBron, like Durant's fadeaway, right? Because he's just so big and so tall. LeBron is just so big that there's literally like nothing you can do against. And obviously there is an element of that with Steph, but I think, you know, it, just in terms of game planning, the way that he runs off ball and everything, I, I'm, I'm just not surprised that he tops this list. Um, Giannis being fifth, 10%, I think it's easy to say like build a wall around Giannis, you know what I mean? But he's improved um, to the point where it's so much harder to do that. And as we've seen over the last three years, like the Raptors were the first team, I feel like, in their championship run in 2019 to kind of figure that out, like how to build a wall, a wall for Giannis, like at what points to double team him, at what points to kind of close in on him. Then the Heat did it the year after, and they felt like the only team really in the East that I felt like could have done that. And as we saw last year, there wasn't any team that could do that. So I, I think it's, in theory, it's easy to say, you know, how to adjust for Giannis, but actually having the personnel and being able to do that is a different factor. I don't have much beef with the uh, with with this the the list here. The, I would add two names to it, and that's Trey Young. You know how I feel about Trey Young. I I, I don't think it's any coach is looking forward to playing Trey Young the way that he plays, the style that he can play, um, and we and, and it proved that it's successful because he was able to do that in the playoffs and 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 really win at a high level there. And then the other one I don't see on here that you know most people. Um, you know, might give him his props, but when it comes to a question specific to this, it, it's really hard to see him on these type of lists, and that's Damian Lillard. I don't see Damian Lillard's name anywhere here, and he's a guy yeah. that, like Steph, can shoot from the parking lot um, and, and is really puts a lot of pressure on you defensively um, to, to try and figure out how to stop. Uh, quickly, before uh, we move on here, the next two things I want to talk about is, is kind of the, the positional battles. Uh, I'll run through them quickly. Best center in the NBA, Jokic, runs away with it 63% of the vote. Giannis, the best power forward, 63% of the vote. Uh, Kevin Durant, the best small forward at 67% of the vote. James Harden, the best shooting guard at 63% of the vote. And Stephen Curry, the best point guard at 57% of the vote. As you said, LeBron James, uh, he kind of got votes in a lot of different categories. So I think that maybe have canceled him out from winning one of these. Um, and it, I, I would go to the same for Luka Doncic. Do you have any beefs with these specific positions? Because we're breaking positions really don't count anymore I'm, I'm they should have just done wings and, and and you know ball handlers and bigs but they didn't they went it by the traditional way so do you have any beef with that i don't really have any beef with it i mean james harden essentially played point guard for the nets last year like he, he's sure. a point guard at this stage of his career but you know 
having Steph as the best point guard in the league, James Harden came in the league as a shooting guard. He can play both positions. Um, it makes sense for him to be there. So who would it's, you replace him with if if, if you're if you're taking James Harden off the list, point making him a point guard? How who's he? Who's the shooting guard? Who's the shooting guard that you have is the best in the league right now? I mean, they have Devin Booker next. Um, right. I don't have a list in front of me of shooting guards, so unless I am forgetting someone, it's probably between Devin Booker and like Bradley Beal, right? Okay. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm I'm fine with James Harden being a shooting guard. I, I think you know it, it's weird not having LeBron um, at number one in any of these positions, um, which is also crazy considering you know the, the stage that he is in his NBA career. But like you said, we did a. Uh, top 30 players going into the season and we had Kevin Durant at number one and very closely behind him Giannis at number two and that's small forward and power forward taken so it's just a, a tough position to kind of crack through right now but um so no I, I, don't, I don't really have any beefs with that and you know how I feel about Jokic um as good as Joel Embiid is arguably the most dominant player in the league when he's at full strength on both ends of the court um what Nicole Jokic did last season um was was spectacular he's the reigning MVP um a walking triple double one of the one of the greatest passes we've ever seen um, on this list as well. I think he was tied with LeBron for for best passer in the league, which is is crazy to think about. You know, a seven foot center, um, and I think we actually we did a ranking of best passes in the league last season, and I, I believe we had him at number one as well. So it just kind of goes to again speaks to the kind of unique talent that he is. No question about it. All right, we'll we'll tackle one more category. You can read the entire GM survey over on NBA dot com as, a, as we said off the top john schumann does a great job of doing it i think one of the most interesting ones every year is especially coming from the gms is figuring out which team made the best offseason moves overall that's mm. always tough to pick if you're a gm you've, you're always going to want to say your team because you believe in who you brought in uh but which team made the best offseason moves uh the the miami heat won 47 percent of the vote the los angeles lakers with 17 percent, and then there's a bunch of teams with seven percent including the nets rockets and wizards um Last year, it was the Lakers that won uh, the vote with 37% of the vote. So almost half the league believing that the Miami Heat did the best job at bolstering their roster. Do you agree? I I do agree. I think Kyle Lowry was probably the biggest acquisition of the offseason. Actually, he was he was voted the uh, in the same um, survey, the which player um, will make the biggest impact, which player acquisition will make the, the biggest impact, and it was Kyle Lowry. We got a taste in that in their first preseason game. Um, just the, the pace that they played with with him in the lineup, pushing the ball at every opportunity, getting them in their offense early. Um, we know what he can do defensively. That team is going to be a pain to deal with on the end of the court with him, Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, and P.J. Tucker. Um, in saying his name, I think P.J. Tucker was a great pick pickup for them as well. This team is just not going to be fun to play against. They do have some concerns in terms of, you know, their age. They're a little they're a little bit up there. They don't have a ton of depth, um, but this feels like a very well-rounded team if they're going to be at full strength going into the playoffs. So I have no problem with that. I, d I do think it's interesting, though, that, you know, they finished number one on this, but then, you know, which team will be most improved this season? The Chicago Bulls topped that one, and obviously they made a ton of improvements this season in adding Lonzo Ball, DeMar DeRozan, um and you know they they didn't show up on this uh this this question here which team made the best overall moves this offseason so that one kind of jumped out to me 
Yeah, a little surprising. They did receive votes, though, but just not enough. Uh, also oh, receiving right. votes are the Knicks, Thunder, Suns, and Trailblazers. Trailblazers is a head scratcher for me. I don't, <laughs> I don't know what. Uh, maybe that's got to be a that's got to be a you vote for yourself situation. I'm just saying. All right, we're running up against <laughs> it here, so we'll we'll move off the GM survey again. You could read it in its entirety over on NBA.com. Quickly touch on the WNBA playoffs who that have been so terrific, um, really thrilling games across the board. I mean, you had a, a thrilling one on Sunday um, in Chicago uh, with the sky uh, just edging out the the sun. They are now up two one in that series. Scott, game three, uh, sorry, game four of that series goes down on Wednesday night and in Chicago, and Chicago could take this the, the sun out. The sun, uh, as you know, led the league. Um, in, or sorry, led the Eastern Conference. I, would, I should say uh, in 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 a record twenty six and six. Uh, and, and actually led the league as well, 26 and six, best record in the league, and they could be out in the conference finals, which would be insane. The Sky, who had dealt with injuries uh, and had a little bit of a slow start start season, they're now rolling. They they, they figured it out. Candace Parker leading the way, Ali Quigley, um, you know, Slew is doing a, a great job. Chicago, uh, that game goes down as I said on Wednesday, and you have you know game four of the Western Conference uh, finals. Uh, Western Division Finals. That is uh, Las Vegas, who got blown out by Phoenix the other night. Um, Phoenix, who who dropped Game One, uh, has put the you know the boots to Las Vegas the last two games. Can Las Vegas respond? Can they answer? Um, they, well, their backs are against the wall now. It's must-win territory. They they are now uh, in this best-of-five series down to one. They must win on Wednesday night, so it's going to be so fun. Playoff basketball in the W. Can't not beat it. I, I miss the days, Scott, of the old NBA first round when they only played five five games in the first round series and it left it open to to a a potential upset nowadays in a seven game series it's so tough to get an upset um but in those best of five scenarios even if you thought like the team had no shot just them winning one game gave you a little bit of life like it it still might end in game four but it it just the stakes were just so much higher um very early on in the series and also if the team was overmatched it'd be over in a three game sweep and and you could just move on with your life and you didn't have to watch that fourth and deciding game that sometimes like could be the worst basketball you've ever seen in your life but you know bring back bring back best of fives if i had if i had the gm survey i I would ask if gms would want to bring back (laughs) best of five i know the owners don't want it but maybe the gms want um and then last but not least (laughs) last but not least deandre ayton uh right before we got on here uh uh, broke a story talking about the sun's reluctance to offer him a maximum rookie contract extension of course deandre ayton was drafted in 2018 he was a number one overall pick guys in his draft class that have gotten paid trey young luka Doncic, shea gilgis alexander michael porter jr and uh ayton is eligible for a five-year 172.5 million dollar extension which could reach two million dollars plus uh similar to the deal that uh michael porter jr signed um Mm. but there's belief that uh you know that the suns are a little bit hesitant on that deal i don't know why ayton was terrific for them in the playoffs he seems like the perfect guy the perfect big to play alongside booker and chris paul um i I, if i was them i'd try to lock that dude up it's it's interesting yeah i Last season, I feel like he he had there was some ups and downs during the regular season, which was to be expected because Chris Paul was a new addition. And as good as Chris Paul is, you know he he is someone who has the ball in his hands a lot, likes to kind of control the offense, and it kind of forced him to play a new role. 
And we really saw it like when the playoffs hit, it felt like everything kind of clicked for him. Um, and I wrote a story during the playoffs about how his game had completely changed. And he basically just became like this this offensive rebounding, pick and roll, cutting big. And it just played to his strengths absolutely perfectly. So I, I, I don't know if it's just like they have a question of like, is he going to continue playing that way? How much more does he, is he going to build on that? Because even coming into the league, I remember there was a lot made out of, you know, his potential as a back to the basket scorer. And we just didn't see that much of it, that that part of his game in the playoffs specifically. We've seen it over the last few in his, his first couple seasons of his career, but we didn't see much in the playoffs last year. So I, I think it's a big season for him. I, I think the any time a player is in this situation, it just makes me think of what happened to Gordon Haywood in Utah. Um, because if I remember correctly, they basically let him hit restricted free agency, basically said, like, go out there and get, if you think you can get a max deal, go out and get it. He did. Um, obviously, the Jazz matched and brought him back. So even in this situation, if the Suns do not sign Aiden to an extension this offseason, they will be able to match anything that he gets next offseason. So there's a good chance he's going to be around for the next four or five seasons regardless. But it's the contract after that that you have to worry about. Do you know what I mean? Like, you don't want him to feel slighted. You don't want him to have a player option on that fourth year and say, hey, you guys didn't respect me um, coming off of that rookie contract. So I'm going to I'm gonna decline this player option. I'm going to hit free agency entering my prime and I'm going to go somewhere else, which is what we, we saw happen with Gordon Hayward. So it is going to be a, a fascinating situation to kind of see how that develops um, going into the season and then just beyond that. Yeah, and the Suns have a have a couple people that they're going to have to pay coming up here, and well, it may not necessarily too. be yeah, it may not necessarily be max, but you mu- you don't want to lose some of these key pieces. Mikel Bridges is at the very top of that list; he's going to be coming due soon, and then Cam Johnson, who came alive in the playoffs, uh, in my opinion, had the, one of the dunks of the playoffs as well. Um, it, it, you want to keep him in Phoenix as long as you can. Such a versatile guy that maybe down the line could be playing some five for them uh, at his size and length. Uh, and ability to stretch the floor and shoot. Um, so there you have it. You know, a lot, a lot happening with the Suns when you have success. You know, people want to get paid, and sometimes you can't pay everybody. It's going to be an important season for the Phoenix Suns um, coming off of their finals appearance. And, you know, Monty Williams is going to have a lot of, uh, I don't want to say egos, but I guess I'll call them egos to, uh, to manage uh, heading into 2021 2022. If you missed any part of the show, you can catch it all in its entirety over on the podcast feed, wherever you get your podcast NBA sound system. Just type that in, subscribe, rate, and review. It does us uh, a huge favor, and it's free for you to do, so just help us out with that. We will be back next week, next Tuesday, in our regular time slot for the 2021-2022 season, and that is at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific across the NBA Global Networks. For Scott Rafferty, I'm Carlin Gay. Enjoy preseason basketball, folks, and we'll be back next Tuesday, 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific, right here on NBA Sound System.